Jason. Uh, if you're visiting or new, uh, I get to serve as the pastor here at the church. Uh, would love to get to know you. We know the holiday season is a little crazy, um, but we also know that it's a time when um, you know people are still kind of checking out different communities. And so again, if you want to get plugged in or if you want to learn more about uh, what it means to be a part of this community, uh, we would love to help you get plugged in. And so uh, again, you can find our hospitality volunteers. You'll see them wearing the, wearing the uh, lanyards around, or you can also, again, scan the QR codes that are all around this campus. Um, and that'll give you links to everything that you can sign up for and be a part of. Uh, with, with that, um, I have the privilege of bringing us God's Word. Um, if you want to turn with me to Psalm 23. That's a familiar psalm. And uh, if you can choose your translation, um, I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation, the NLT. Psalm 23. This is the reading of God's word. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Uh, well, as, as many of you know, we are currently in the Advent season. Uh, you know, this is a season on the Christian calendar, but we wait uh, collectively with other believers around the world in expectation uh, to celebrate the birth of Christ, but also to look forward to Christ's second coming. And uh, all uh, this month, in the weeks leading up to Christmas, we're going to be looking at the four themes of Advent, uh, hope, peace, joy, and love. If you were with us last week, uh, Elizabeth Hoxton, our ministry intern, delivered a beautiful message on the power of hope. And so today, um, I get to talk about peace. And uh, I know that all of us could use some more peace in our lives. Um, just by a show of hands, um, how many of you had a stressful week? Just raise your hand. Yes, almost all of you. How many of you are stressed out right now where you're sitting? Raise your hand. Again, almost all of you. Uh, you know, isn't it interesting that in a season that's supposed to be all about peace, uh, our stress le levels are always the highest. You know, uh, according to a recent study, they said that 45% of Americans would rather skip Christmas. Okay, 45%, almost half of Americans would prefer to do without Christmas because they would prefer to do without the stress that Christmas brings. They would prefer to do without all the stress of having to buy gifts for all your friends. They would prefer to uh, get rid of the stress of having to spend time with family in drama-filled homes. They would prefer to do without having to go to six white elephant parties. Um, you know, or maybe facing the reality that you're not invited to any white elephant party. Okay? <laughs> Sorry. That was, that was like really, that was really sad. Um, you know, but that, that's the, you know, there's something about this month and this season 
that just bottles up everything that gives us anxiety and stress in this life. Money, busyness, people, relationships, and it just forces us to confront everything in just the span of a month. And, and you take all of that and you add to it everything that's happening in the world. And everything that's happening out there. And it's overwhelming. It's a lot. Okay, and I, I actually um, want to show a video, a uh, quick video. We watched it in our Origins class a few weeks ago. And uh, it's a recap of 2020 as a year. Okay, and like I, I watched it and it was hard to watch. And uh, so I, I'll let the video speak for itself. Um, but yeah, here we go. And that was one year. Um, I know that the uh, video ends hopefully, but I don't know about you, but that makes my blood pressure rise. So watching that from beginning to end, and it almost doesn't seem real that all of that could happen in the span of one year. And that's just the stuff happening out there. That's not even covering the stuff happening in here. Anxiety, depression, discontentment, uncertainty around the future. Where are you gonna find peace when everything out there in the world and everything in here in our souls spells chaos? And I think we all have an answer to that question, or at least we think we do. We all have something in our lives where we say, if that happened, I could breathe a little bit. Like money's tight right now, if I get that promotion, I could breathe a little bit. Man, once all my Christmas shopping is done, I can breathe a little bit. Once my in-laws stop talking to me, I can breathe a little bit. If I just organize the boxes in my living room that have been sitting there for the last four months, I could breathe a little bit. Well, at the end of 2020, there were a lot of people in America who said, we can breathe now because we have a new president who's gonna come and fix all of that. Well, we're now in December of 2021, and how's that working out for us? We're still in a global pandemic. I can't even count, this, count the strains anymore. People are still dying. Racism still exists. Homelessness still exists. And this is not a plug for a political party as much as it is a reminder that the things that we look for in this life to give us that sense of confidence and security that things are going to be okay, more often than not, don't pan out the way we want them to. In fact, they don't deliver the thing that we want them to. You think more money will fix your anxiety? I can tell you some of the most anxious people I know are the wealthiest people. Because we all know it's not just about getting a certain lifestyle. We know it's about sustaining that lifestyle. And sustaining that lifestyle is stressful. You think a bigger house will fix your anxiety? That's just more pipes that can burst. Okay? And I know that I'm projecting on you right now. Okay? You think a vacation will fix your anxiety? Why do you think everyone who comes back from vacation, especially people with kids, say, I need a vacation from the vacation? You can be in the most peaceful place on earth. You can be in the most beautiful place on earth and sit there devoid of peace. 
The answers to our misery and stress don't always deliver what we think they will. And, I, and so where do we find that deep sense of calm and confidence in the midst of the chaos of this world? And I think our passage today gives us the answer to that. Psalm 23 is maybe one of the most famous psalms in all of the Bible. It might be the most famous passage in all of the Bible. Even if you're here and you're not a believer, you probably could recite Psalm 23 from memory. Because it comes out in so many movies, it comes out in so many books, you find it all over pop culture. And I think it's because there's something about this psalm that speaks to a people so desperately in searching for peace. And especially here in Los Angeles, in a city where everyone is so busy, everything, everyone is so full of distractions, where everyone is going somewhere, doing something, trying to become someone, there's something about this image of a sheep just lying in a green meadow next to a peaceful stream that just nourishes us. Right? And you might be thinking, man, well, that's not possible here in L.A. You know, like, it's just so crazy, there's so many people, there's so much traffic. Let me just tell you, King David, the one who wrote this song, he objectively had a more stressful life than probably everyone in this room. First of all, he was a king. So he bore responsibilities and burdens and expectations you and I could not even dream of. For much of his life, he was on the run. For much of his life, he was running from people who were actually trying to kill him family members, loved ones who were actually trying to kill him. So he was dealing with things out there, but he was also dealing with so much shame and guilt in here. And yet somehow this person who has a life that was so full of stress and anxiety is able to write a psalm and a prayer like Psalm 23 to say, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. How was he able to do that? And so we start at the beginning, and it's really interesting, right? Because the psalm opens with the words, the Lord is my shepherd. And we've kind of idealized this phrase a lot. Uh, but when you think about it, it's kind of an insult. Because if the Lord is my shepherd, what does that make us? Sheep. And uh, we all know sheep aren't the sharpest tools in the shed, right? Uh, sheep are completely dependent and helpless without their shepherd. Sheep need you to put food right in front of them so they can eat it. Sheep can't do anything on their own. Um, don't do this, but this week in preparation for this sermon, I made the mistake of like going down the rabbit hole of YouTube looking up sheep videos. And uh, I don't know why, such a waste of time and life, but I just couldn't stop watching it. And uh, you know, you just see video after video of like, like one sheep going off a cliff and then like hundreds of sheep following it off. You know, and it's sad, it's sad, but I just couldn't stop watching. And um, one of the videos I saw, I think it was in Europe or something, and you have this herd of sheep grazing along the highway and this car drives by and just sends all the sheep into a wild frenzy. Okay, it's terrifying. And uh, they, they don't know what to do with themselves. They're, they're like going in every direction and they just start attacking their shepherd. So like, you know, they're just like, they ram him to the ground. He gets up, another sheep rams him. And I just was watching this video and, and I couldn't help but think, this is such a perfect picture of the human condition. Like we do things that don't make sense when we're afraid. You know why? 
because we're sheep. We do things, we say things to people that we don't mean when we're afraid. You know why? Because we're sheep. We lash out on our loved ones. We buy into conspiracy theories. You know, we do crazy things. We self-medicate. Why? Because we're afraid. One of the things I love to watch the most on Netflix are documentaries about cults, okay? So I have weird viewing habits, okay? And I love watching documentaries about cults because there's a part of me that, like, when I, when I read about a cult, I'm like, how do bright, like, educated people buy into conspiracy theories, buy into lies, join these cults? Like, how is it possible that this could happen in the first world? And then you watch these documentaries and you start to develop a great sense of empathy for the people. Because you realize, we're sheep. And people do things that don't make sense when they're afraid. They attach themselves to authority figures who exploit and abuse them when they're afraid. They buy into lies and stay in toxic situations because they feel safer inside those situations than they do outside of them. Right? And these days, everyone on the left is calling everyone on the right a sheep. Everyone on the right is calling everyone on the left a sheep. Well, guess what? Good news for you. The Bible says we're all sheep. We're all completely helpless and lost on our own. Well, then where do we find our peace? At first, it feels like what David is implying in this psalm is that we find peace in a place. Right? We read about green meadows and peaceful streams, that it's our circumstances or where we are in life that gives us that sense of calm and confidence in our souls. But then verse 4 throws a wrench into everything. Because verse 4 says, Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. In other words, the kind of peace David has found is a peace that is accessible in the greenest pasture and in the darkest valley. You and I, we often think we got to get out of the valley in order to experience peace. David says you can experience peace in the valley. You and I, we think we need to go grab a promotion. We need a career change to experience peace. David says you can experience peace exactly where you are. You and I, we think, right, that it's our circumstances. We think it's our place in life. You think that it's if we just got rid of a few people that are making our lives miserable, we would experience peace. But when you think about it, the image in this psalm is David sitting at a dinner table in the presence of his enemies. And yet somehow he's still able to find peace. You see, because if peace is tied to our circumstances, that peace will only last as long as those circumstances don't change. And all you have to do is live one day to know that circumstances change all the time. They're changing all the time. At the beginning of October, my wife sent me about 80 Google Calendar invites that was going to last us throughout the year. Okay? It was all the things that we were going to have to do, all the people we were going to have over, all the events we were going to have to attend. After she sent that to me, both of us were like, Phew, that feels pretty good. You know, we have our next three months planned out. Looks good. We feel calm. We feel like in control. Three days later, everything went to shambles. We lost our peace. I don't want a peace that can crumble the moment one uncertain thing happens. 
I want a peace that can hold me up in the middle of the chaos. I want a peace that can hold me up when the whole world feels like it's crumbling around me. You know, um, I, I, I think that like, you know, for a lot of us, right, like, you know, we, we, we keep tying like peace as something out there that we need to grab a hold of. And yet here, we see that peace is not something out there. It's something available to us in a person. When we think about the peace that the Apostle Paul had when he talked, when he wrote his letter to the Philippians from prison, someone whose life objectively did not look like it was at peace, he says, I found a peace that transcends all understanding. I want that kind of a peace. And when you read this psalm from beginning to end, honestly, the circumstances change a lot. It goes from green meadows, it goes to a dark valley, it then goes to a dinner table with enemies. You know what the only thing that doesn't change is? God's presence through it all. He's the one guiding David to peaceful streams. He's the one protecting David in the valley of the shadow of death. He's the one preparing the table and anointing David's head with oil. The peace of God is not found in your circumstances. It's found in a person. It's knowing that you have a heavenly father who is above your circumstances. It's knowing that you have a father who won't let even a hair on your head fall on the ground. A father who gives us everything we need when we need it the most. You know, Jesus, in one of his last messages to his disciples on earth, right before he goes to the cross, you know what he says? He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I will overcome the world. He said, there's going to be a lot of stuff out there. There's going to be a lot of stuff in here, but in me you will have peace. In me, you will have peace. Uh, I'm going to put up a picture real quick. Um, this is a picture of my son, Jack, okay? When we first got back into our house last week, okay? And our home was still a disaster area. Um, you know, you can't see it, but there was so much dust and junk on that bed. We hadn't cleaned the room in a while. Um, you see all of our luggage still there, unpacked, uh, you know, not, not even um, unpacked yet. And somehow in the midst of all that, my son found a little spot, curled up, and he went to sleep. And I thought this was such a beautiful picture of the kind of peace Jesus offers. He doesn't promise us that there won't be suffering. He doesn't promise us that there won't be any chaos. But he promises that we'll have what we need to just close our eyes and sleep. I think about Jesus in the middle of the storm. You have this storm raging and he's sleeping. How? You ever wonder, um, you know, like how kids are able to do things like this? It's because they know their parents got it. They know their parents are going to take care of it. So they can curl up and go to sleep, even when it feels like the whole world is imploding around them. You ever wonder why it's often the most responsible people in the world who also happen to be the most anxious? Like, irresponsible people, you know, they're just like, Ooh, you know, like, I don't care, you know? <laughs> it's always the most responsible people who are worried and anxious about everything. Why? 
Because their entire lives, they've had to take care of the needs of everyone else. Their entire lives, they've been trained to believe that they need to be independent, that they're not allowed to ask for help, that they need to protect and preserve their own family. But David shows us that the place of greatest peace is not the place of our greatest strength, but the place of our greatest weakness. And I think it's so profound that David is a king. David has access to every luxury and privilege in the world. And yet, the fact that someone like David, who was one of the greatest kings in Israel's history, still chooses to identify as a sheep, should tell you that David understands that true peace doesn't look like power or control or greatness. True peace looks like weakness. You know, the Christmas story is interesting because the Jews also had a very specific picture of the kind of peace that they thought God would bring. You have to understand that for the Jewish people whose history was marked by so much slavery and captivity and war and violence, they believed peace would come in the form of a conquering warrior who would come and deliver them from their enemies, who would come and overthrow the Roman Empire. They were holding on to promises like Isaiah 9-6 that said a child would be born who would carry the government on his shoulders. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. They said, we're waiting for a prince. We're waiting for royalty. We're waiting for greatness. And you know what they got? They got a baby and a manger. The creator of the universe, who could have taken on any form. Last week, Elizabeth preached on the burning bush. He could have come as fire. We know in the book of Acts, he comes as a violent, rushing wind. And yet in this moment, he chooses to come as a dependent baby in a manger, helpless, weak, as if to give us a glimpse of what true heavenly peace really looks like. It doesn't look like palm trees and beaches, although that would be nice. It doesn't look like earthly comfort or security or wealth. It looks like a baby sleeping in a feeding trough. That is peace. And doesn't that image tell us so much about the God we worship? God may not always give us what we want. He may not always bail us out of our problems, but he will always meet us in the mess. And he will always walk with us through it. And you know how we know this? We know this because Jesus is the only shepherd in history who ever knew what it was like be a sheep. No other shepherd knows what it's like to be sheep, but Jesus does because he became one. Isaiah 53 says, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Jesus came into the world in weakness, and he died in weakness in order to identify the weaknesses of his people. He became a sheep. And on this earth, Jesus walked through a valley darker than you and I will ever have to walk through, a valley that ultimately led him to the cross, the place where his greatest weakness became our peace. 
You see, we all think that the secret to peace is to stop, become, stop being sheep. No, no. The secret to peace is to acknowledge that we are sheep in need of a good shepherd. A shepherd who knows us, who sees us, and who loves us. And ultimately, who lays down his life for us. You know, my favorite detail in this whole song is that you see a shift. It's subtle but very profound. It's easy to miss. It begins in the third person, right? He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. But then it ends in second person. You anoint my head with oil. Surely your goodness and your mercy will pursue me all the days of my life. From beginning to end, the psalm actually grows in intimacy. When something moves from third person to second person, it always signals deeper intimacy. I remember talking to a couple once. You know, they had just started dating, so they were still in the honeymoon phase. They, didn't, they still didn't realize how hard relationships were. And I remember going up to them and I said, you guys are so cute. You know, tell me your story. And I would love to know how you guys met. And it, everything started in the third person. Well, you know, we met on a dating app. You know, he, he kind of showed up, you know, a little bit late, but, you know, he, he looked really good. He was wearing this. You know, the conversation was kind of like awkward at first. He was really shy, you know. And then all of a sudden, as they're talking, you know, the guy interrupts and he was like, no, 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 you were the one that was shy. You know, you were the one who came late. You know, and she's like, no, you were the one. And they just started having their own conversation. And all of a sudden, I was out of the conversation. <laughs> you know, they went from talking about each other to talking to each other. And there's a difference. You can know about God, and you can talk about God, and God can be a theological construct. It changes when you start talking to God, when you know God, when He's your friend, when He's your companion. And you know when that shift happens in this song? So telling. It happens in verse 4, after it says, He leads me along right paths for His name's sake. And then in verse 4, it says, Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. In other translations, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. It's David's weakness that draws him into deeper intimacy. It's his weakness that allows him to experience true peace. It's his weakness that reminds him that in his darkest moments, God doesn't abandon him. He doesn't leave him in the valley. He draws nearer to him in the valley. And sometimes, you know, I know, like, many of us in this room feel like we're walking through a dark valley right now but David shows us that sometimes you have to walk through the valley to realize that Jesus is all that you need you know I think it's very ironic that we use the phrase rest in peace to people who've died I rarely hear that um, referred to or you know used in conversation to people who are alive we wait until someone has passed away to say rest in peace as though peace is not um, available or accessible to those of us who are living. You know what the Christmas story is? The Christmas story is an opportunity for us every year to remember that that peace is available to us now. That that peace has
has come to earth. You know, when you go back to the beginning in the Bible, you see a world that is at perfect peace. Everything is in its right place. All of creation living in perfect harmony. Humanity living without fear or anxiety, trusting that the creator of the cosmos, that their father would provide for all of their needs. But something horrible happened in the garden. Human beings, we thought we could take matters into our own hands, and we thought we could take care of our own needs. And all of a sudden, we began to seek a life of peace and satisfaction and rest apart from God. And we began to chase created things rather than the Creator. We began to believe that peace lied in a set of circumstances, only to find that on the other side of those circumstances often was more unrest and more anxiety and more stress. You think peace lies in a promotion? You get a promotion, there are more expectations, more responsibilities, more people under your care, more people relying on you for their livelihood. That doesn't sound like peace. You think, uh, those of you who are married, you've been wanting to have kids, you think peace is found, and you think that anxiety is going to be put to ease when you have kids? Oh my goodness. When you become a parent, you are committing to worrying for the rest of your life. That is what parenthood is. But you see, this is what human beings do. We run from the only thing that could give us true peace and satisfaction in this life, to look for peace in places where we will only find greater unrest and greater anxiety. But you know what? This is the good news. God loves us so much that He wouldn't allow us to live that way. God loves us so much that He wouldn't let us stay in that place of anxiety and stress. And so He sent His Son to secure our peace. You know, David wrote this song before he ever, before he ever conceived of what Jesus looked like or what Jesus exactly would do. But there was something in David that knew that God was a good shepherd who would stop at nothing to bring him back to himself, to bring us back to himself. David says, surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, surely your goodness and your unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And he doesn't say, and I hope to live in the house of the Lord forever. He doesn't say, I may live in the house of the Lord forever. He says, I will live in the house of the Lord forever. And David didn't know that generations later, a baby would be born in Bethlehem the midst of so much chaos and war and violence in a world that looked not so different from the world you just saw in video, who would one day grow up, turn to the people, and say, I am the Good Shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. This is how God pursues us. He leaves his heavenly throne and he enters our mess. He becomes a sheep. This is what the hope of Christmas is about. 
And Jesus comes to this earth and he willingly loses his rest and his peace. Why? So that you and I could be made right with God and experience the deep, lasting peace that we so desperately desire. Let's pray. And just in the quiet of that moment, of this moment, I want you to just take a moment, take a deep breath. When else are you going to be, you know, able to be in a space where you can just breathe a little bit, um, especially in the chaos of this season? And I want to read us the words of this psalm one more time. And my hope is that you would let this just sink deep within your heart. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Heavenly Father, we come to you with weary hearts, our souls tossed to and fro with so many of the things happening out there in our world that we can't control, so many things happening in our homes and in our relationships, in our workplaces, um, so many things that haunt us and keep us up at night. We thank you that in Jesus we have access to a peace in the darkest valley. And in your presence, it's in the darkest valley. It's in our weakness. It's in our pain that you draw nearer to us. God, I know this season can be so stressful for many of us. And I just pray that even in this moment, your spirit would help us to experience true peace you offer us. Not in a circumstance, not in something happening, but something that has been made available to us on the cross. We thank you for this good news that even in our dark valleys we can experience true, lasting peace, satisfaction, and rest. We give you all the praise, give you all the honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray.